Hello and welcome to the One Woman, One Time podcast. I'm your host, Justice Wiggins. Thanks for joining me. So first I just wanted to say I am unfamiliar with podcasts, so there very well could be a podcast with this name already, but I am unsure of it. So I just thought it was appropriate because, you know, it's straightforward. I'm one woman and this is one time one project. So I just felt like it was fitting. Now I am going to be talking about behaviorism and how it relates to artificial intelligence, or I guess cover artificial intelligence from the perspective of behaviorism. Uh, I want to start by saying that behaviorism is Um, The theory that human and animal behavior can be explained in terms of conditioning. Uh, That's just the major point of this perspective. And I'll get into, you know, weaving it into the different articles and things I've got to say throughout the podcast. The other thing I wanted to say, or just define, is that artificial intelligence is intelligence um, displayed by machines. These machines are things like Siri on our iPhone and even the predictive technologies behind Amazon or Netflix and knowing um, or tr- guessing what things you'll, you want to buy or you want to watch. Um, but this can also mean things that aren't as weaved into our daily lives like actual robots. Um, I remember a few years ago seeing the company Boston Dynamics, um, you know, roll out and show those videos of the the robot dogs or the humanoid robots that do flips and run and can do all these tasks now, which I mean, it's fright. It's very fascinating, but it's also very frightening to me just because of how we are advancing and what type of future we are nearing. Um, But it is quite interesting. And you can now even buy the robot dog. I think it's called Spot. They they sell those now. Obviously, they're quite expensive and aren't going to be mainstream, you know, until a later time. But yeah, so those are some, some examples. I got this idea to cover these things from honestly my midterm in this class we had the option to cover different articles and one of those was is it was called is pretend empathy enough and it was by sherry turkle um and it was published by slate and basically what she was saying in this was just questioning if um if it's okay for us to be going down the path that is heavily relying on technology. And she put it more in the perspective of um, empathy, like the title says, but, you know, relying on machines to tell us that, you know, or give us the things we need to hear. Like, you know, I don't know if you even ask Siri, like, tell me something nice Siri can do that for you but um so she was just questioning if that is a future we want to go down and she even said that 
we should probably be taking some steps back from that. And I just said that in it, we, because relying on technology is so unnatural, it is a conditioned behavior. And I just went off of that, but I will use a few more articles to kind of talk about behaviorism and give more points on um, intelligence in machines being being okay and if and the ethical issues behind that now that we've gotten to Watson and Calkins I just wanted to bring up B.F. Skinner and his teaching machines just really quickly um, it was um, one of his ideas to put teaching machines in classrooms just to help students um, have a more effective learning experience. Just because, you know, with so many students in a class and one teacher, it's hard for them to know the right answers and change their behaviors uh, when um, when the teacher can only get to so many kids. And so that's what that's what his idea was, what he proposed. And so I think that he was really for um, using technology and would have been definitely okay with artificial technology too. So to start with the two differing perspectives in behaviorism, which is John Watson and Mary Calkins, I think that they would have both been concerned about um, artificial t- intelligence and our reliance on it. But what I think would be different is just the levels of it. So since Calkins was more interested in introspection and how and how that ties into behaviorism and psychology, she would have been more um, more concerned with our everyday usage of it and the just the everyday technologies that are more common in regular people whereas Watson I think would have wanted to be more involved with state level and just the more broad levels of artificial intelligence which I will cover in later on in this but yeah I just think he would have wanted to place his concerns on the higher levels rather than the more common everyday type of usage. Another article I want to bring up is one by Thomas Griffiths and it's called Understanding Human Intelligence Through Human Limitations. So um, the article is basically just about the ways that humans are limited that um, will make uh, technology or artificial intelligence beneficial to us. And, you know, one of the things that I just kind of questioned is that if we if we are using artificial intelligence that has errors the same way that humans have errors, um, for me, it's sort of like, what's the point? Because AI is supposed to be perfect, and if it's making mistakes, 
and just like humans are making mistakes, then maybe we're just not ready for it yet. Um, but those are just my my thoughts on that article. Um, so yeah. Okay, so now we're getting into the more interesting and intriguing parts, at least to me, and that is the work done by Joy Bullam-Winnie. Now, she's a computer scientist that is located in the MIT Media Lab, and so she basically discovered um, that a lot of the facial recognition technology we use today has bias in it, and so she put together a study who's where the goal was to examine facial recognition technology and um just see the trends in the types of errors that it makes and what was found from the three commercial classification algorithms which is Microsoft, IBM, and Face++. I am not familiar with that one, so I could have said that wrong, but that was the third one. And what they found was that for Microsoft and IBM, the false positive rates in women more than double those of males. And the other thing was that um, they all, each of them did bad on um, recognizing darker skinned individuals, but IBM was the worst. Their error rate was 22 which is more than seven times that of the other two. Um, Obviously, this is problematic and raises questions about um, if the technology we use can be neutral if humans are the ones that um, that are teaching it what needs what it needs to do. Along with this study, which was called Gender Shades, Intersectional Accuracy Disparities and Commercial Gender Classification. Along with that, they did a Netflix documentary, which is called Coded Bias. And after watching this, it really, it really blew my mind just because it, and maybe this is an exaggeration, but it made it, made me seem uh, a little fearful for our future being less autonomous and less free. Um, it just showed the different ways in which uh, these artificial intelligence technologies are being used. For example, in the documentary, they showed, um, I believe it was London where they were doing this, but they showed that there were police officers that were putting you know, these vans and cameras um, in in the city. And they were using it to try and match strangers' faces to the faces of criminals in their databases um, or those that are wanted. And the error rates were pretty high. And, you know, innocent people were getting stopped and questioned and all that. And that is just really problematic and not not only just random people, but it tends to be very um, discriminatory and only, and most of the time it was people of color that were getting stopped and matched. And so that's just one example of just the danger of having 
bias in our technology. And I did want to add also to that, that um, they were testing these these uh, cameras and technologies in America too, but luckily they were banned, and I think only got banned for a year, so sometime next year um, they could be unbanned, but I don't know the legalities behind that. The other technology that I wanted to add was, again, regarding the police, um, police and criminal uh, history, is another predictive technology, and that is them having a system where they can see what neighborhoods have the most crime, and they can predict certain areas as having um, of where the next the next thing is going to happen. And so they just send police to those certain areas, which tend to be the less the poorer neighborhoods and the most diverse or the most black neighborhoods. And, you know, we already have issues with police brutality right now, or we always have, but we're seeing it more now. And so I can only imagine that having the predictive technology and having just police go to certain areas uh, more than the others is going to just make things even worse. Um, and that's just, that's just what I see in my opinion, but that's another way that we just, (laughs) that it's just not in our best interest to do. The other area where there's bias, um, that they showed in the documentary was in the hiring process. So, you know, by now we've all had to deal with the the hiring machines or like when you submit your application it gets scanned by um I forgot what they're called but the machines that look for keywords and just certain things to make um to see if you're like a good candidate and in one instance there was one of these technologies that was just completely throwing out anything that had to do with women, any, any resume that had anything to do with a woman, whether it be like she went to an all women's college or was involved in some sort of club for women. Um, anything regarding that was tossed. It was thrown away. And so that was just another show of bias in technology. And earlier I gave examples of daily technology like Siri and just stuff that we use, you know, uh, regularly and not such on like a bigger scale. But I wanted to kind of distinguish the two. Like, I think it's different relying on these, um, on these little things like Siri than it is the things on the state level or, you know, in, in our police force or, on in governmental levels uh because you know the that has more of an effect on the big picture of our lives because those are huge decisions being made about whether you're going to jail or not whether you get the job or not and even like loans they can um use the same predictions about whether or not 
you can get a loan or credit card and stuff like that. And those are so much bigger than, you know, using your phone to buy something on Instagram and then getting an ad about that or, you know, saying, I don't know, just we have a lot of power in our smartphones, but I just don't think that is as impactful as the ways that they're trying to integrate AI in, you know, as I said, in these bigger, broader scales. And the crazy part to me is that when we have talked about, you know, what the future is going to look like technologically, we have the movies, the science science fiction movies like iRobot and like Back to the Future and stuff like that, where it's these physical robots that just, you know, and actually, I don't, I don't even know if Back to the Future is a good example, but iRobot definitely is, and um, (laughs) where. We are just dominated by robots, um, by these super intelligent robots. And I, it's just crazy to me that we, we are kind of headed down that road, but not with, I don't know, the life-size robots that's just embedded into everything we do every day, um, from from predict, predicting and knowing where we're going, what we're buying, who we're hanging out with, where we work, and just things along those lines. Um, it's just the smaller technologies. It's not just this one big giant robot that is forcing us to do what it says. And so I just, it's just something very interesting to think about. And I, and I just think that also. Shout out to Miss Bola Winnie because uh, she really did the work in putting putting the the message out there. Um, which to wrap it up is just that we have to be really diligent in the ways that we are um, programming the technology and these algorithms because humans are prone to error um and if leaving it up to us means that there is just going to be problems now and down the line and it's just important for us to pay attention to that and one of the solutions she brought up was to have um like an uh an organization like I won't say an organization, an association such as like the FDA that regulates um, what companies are doing and just about transparency in the, the things that they're putting out into the world and what we're seeing and how much information they're taking from us. So... Yeah, it was a great documentary. She did a great study and it just opens a lot of questions and leaves you with a lot of concerns, Uh, but I highly recommend it and hopefully we don't don't get dominated by this stuff.
And lastly, I just wanted to tie this into the behaviorist perspective. Um, I think that this is just a lot of conditioning that is happening with with these things. Um, and in particular, the people that are making these programs and algorithms, these technologies, anybody, any type of engineer is doing this from the perspective of behaviorism, from what, from my reading, uh, and applying the idea of instant gratification as well when they're putting these things together.